Hey everyone, and welcome to the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. This is episode 57. My name is Matt, and joining me on the cast today are both of my stupendous co-hosts. First up, Miss Tiffany B. Hello. And Dan. I'm back, ladies. We finally got the band back together. I know. Yeah, I had to kick out that imposter Ben. (laughs) (laughs) It's like riding a bike, you know? We just pick right back up. I mean, it's... No, it's a little hanging easier. out with you guys is like riding a bike. It's work, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was very afraid of it. Depends on the terrain. I mean, if you want to get into it. I mean, Wait, you're you're scared of riding a bike, Tiff? Most of the time, yes. Are like, you also first... scared of podcasting with us? Yes. <laughs> Every time we start a podcast, it starts with just a little bit of fear, yeah. and then I ease into it. It's like riding a bike. You never know when you're going to fall over and smash your face in. For me, yes. Yeah, I got you. Well, Dan is an expert mountain biker, much like he is an expert podcaster. He Mm. thinks both of those statements are true. No, I just talk into this mic. I don't know. I can't see your face. It's very strange. It's disconcerting. It's just the hair and then like a forehead and then a mic. You look like you're in witness protection. I'm (laughs) trying. I'm keeping my mic raised because... People have commented that sometimes I talk away from the mic, so I can't talk away from the mic when it's literally in my mouth. That well, that is true. Yes. That's true. So, so I'm you feeding see, my microphone right now. We are receptive to listener feedback. We are. And you guys are just gonna have to pretend that I am here. Fantastic. Behind behind this pop filter, hiding. I'm like the great Oz. You need like a <laughs> you have to draw a face on the front of your microphone then though. Oh, yeah, that would be perfect. Okay. Just like I some would, eyes on that pop filter. I will do that. I'll get those little googly craft eyes and put yes. it on my pop filter, and then I'll shake it when I'm making a face. <laughs> okay. Well, if you ever want to give us any other feedback, you can always do so. Facebook.com slash The League of Nonsensical Gamers. Head on over to YouTube and check out our live shows and some of Tiff's uh, little board game video segments, wonderfully produced. Head on can over to... Can we do a live show where we all wear ugly Christmas sweaters in the coming month? Oh, I like that idea. I have to buy an ugly Christmas sweater. They have some good ones. You can go on Amazon. I mean, you don't have to purchase anything for this show, Tiff. I mean, it's Christmas. I get that. Just wear a sweater and we'll just call it ugly. All of my sweaters are lovely and stylish. You don't have to buy one. You would just have to knit one instead. So you can pick. But I don't know how to knit. Well, you have three sounds weeks like you learn. got your work cut out for you. <laughs> <laughs> the All show right. will air soon. You might want to start. I think we should do a live show. I think that that sounds right. fantastic. Well, you could just wear like reindeer ears instead or something like that. Hmm. I'd have to buy those too, but they're probably less expensive than an ugly Christmas sweater. You I could am... wrap yourself in Christmas lights. I, I'm trying to think of something you already have in your house. Or wrapping paper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope. I don't have just... any of that. Just buy some wrapping paper and cut the arms holes out. You could not tape some pine, not pine trees, some evergreen trees to your body, like limbs. No. I, Tiff, what do you want from me? I'm trying to be resourceful here. Tiff, we're trying to think of things that won't force you to buy an ugly sweater. Oh. And yet still be festive. Never. Got a Santa hat anywhere? Nope. Can I you would. just play us some Christmas um, jingles on your ukulele? No. Banjo, banjo, oh, pick the banjo. No. 
I don't know any Christmas music. You have three um, weeks to make a sweater and learn Christmas music on a ukulele. <laughs> Go. And then do it live do. for millions of people. Millions, mm. huh? Like Millions of it, hundreds. Do it live for potentially a dozen people, maybe. Yeah, hey, that's, that's a, more than you usually good perform for. It's just Dan and I. <laughs> that's a good audience. Uh, well, if you want suggestions for Tiff, if you want to provide those, you can go to guild.nonsensicalgamers.com and go to BGG Guild number 2077 and let Tiff know what she should. I won't read any of them. She won't read any of them, but I will read them and I will relay the things that she should have on her ugly Christmas sweater. You can also find us on places like Twitter and Instagram. We'd also, before we start the show, like to thank our sponsor, Tasty Minstrel Games. They are our favorite sponsor that we've ever had, and uh, you can check them out at playtmg.com, and be sure to keep an eye out for their titles on the store shelves, because it's almost the holidays, and having a TMG game underneath your tree might not be a, such a bad idea. Our it's show true. today, we are going to chat a little bit about what we've been playing, and we're also going to hear... A little bit about what Dan has been playing and the experience at BGGCon and the 24-hour board game marathon down in North Carolina. And he also sold and traded a bunch of stuff so that he can get money to buy me a Secret Santa gift. So I'm very excited for that. Tiffany B., we start the same way we always do, except this time you do not have to pass on your turn. You played a game or more than one. I played oh, man. several games. I played one game with you, remember? This you is where I game. insert the the canned cheering noise and like the uh, happy new year, holiday, really excited. This is where I would insert expletives, but we have young listeners and I'm not going to do that, Tiff, but beep, 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 yeah. Wow. I'm trying to think of um, what those three beeps could have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was trying to think about. <laughs> Tiff, um, what'd you play? I did have some beeps when I was reading the rule book for Carotia. I finally got around to playing it. The carrot game? It's, it's remember I was looking at it at Gen Con, they didn't have it. It's like has a bunny on the cover and you yes. play like, it's a cooperative game and you play as a little bunny and you're getting carrots. Sounds like right up my alley, right? I do remember that. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks to Patrick Hillier, I got my hands on it. And uh, we I played it for the first time. Now, only one play, so, uh, and I don't know. I'm probably going to donate this one to Board Game Club and see if they like it a little bit better than my adult friends. But uh, basically, it's a, co- a cooperative game. It's a tile placement game, and it has two phases. The first phase, you, well, first of all, you're a bunny character. So, like, all the bunnies have, like, special character things. Like, I was a mummy bunny. I don't know. So then you do a timer and you make a grid that's like a maze situation. And then you put carrots and birds in the maze according to this map tile that you flip over. And then the second part, you take turns moving this rabbit meeple through the maze. You can't go backwards. You have to go in a certain way and out a certain way without moving backwards. And as you go, these birds... Uh, are also moving they have they each one has their own special die that you roll and they move and try to like mess with you they steal carrots they uh transport things to different places on the map so you're just trying to get i think uh 20 carrots by the end of three rounds of this and each round the map gets bigger so it starts as a three by three grid then a four by four and then the last one is a five by five so by the time you're getting to the end you have to really be moving around the tiles and doing all sorts of fancy moves so you can 
get around the maze and through the places that you're supposed to go. Is it any fun? Um, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) Does that give you your answer? Um, there were moments of it that were fun. I thought the rule book was a little hard to get through, even though this is not a very complicated game. Like, there were just some, like, grammatical errors and just some cumbersome ways that they put things like this is another game that would have done well with a nice player aid because each time each round that you play things change so like when you're going through the maze on the first one because it's a three by three you get 10 moves to get from the entrance to the exit and the next one it's like 15 so i mean it's not the hardest thing to remember but i had to keep looking it up in the rule book and it was really weird because it's cooperative and you're like taking turns putting down these tiles but there's also it's real time so there's a timer so it's stressful and i don't like real time so i don't know Hmm. there's not enough time for you to actually communicate so it's not cooperative it's just like you're just chucking tiles down as quick as possible and then there I should say before before I complain too much is there once you put down the tiles you can add an extra bird to the map for a chance to move, make three changes to your map to make it a little bit better. So there is a way to mitigate that but it just seems kind of oh, like that's cool. uh, too much. Can we talk about player aids for a second cuz I don't understand why it's so hard to put a freaking player aid in a game. Thank you. Like I don't understand it. I've played a couple of games. Uh, I played a ton of games over the last two weeks, and so many of them did not have just a simple player aid. It's not that hard. It's an extra card. It's an extra little piece of the punch board. Anything. And uh, yeah, I get it. Like once you play a game multiple times, it it gets ingrained. You don't need it. But so many times when you're teaching new players, there's always at least usually one new player at a game a lot of times, especially when you bring it to a con or you bring it to your store or even just your game group. And it's just like, is it so hard to just put a simple player aid? Because it just helps so much. Even if it's not the most informative, just putting the round structure, just putting the scoring, um, those two things like, oh, God, it drives me absolutely nuts. Yeah, I agree. We just played Inish, and you know, I'm, we'll talk about that maybe in a little bit, but that game has a player aid. Everyone gets a little card with all the things on it. The one thing it doesn't have is how to win, and Inish is all a game that has this like floating win condition. So we were looking through, and we were like, well, we know like this stuff is easy. Why didn't you put like the last piece of the puzzle? So even player aids that don't encompass everything. I, yeah, right. No, I'm with you. Yeah, I don't well, get it. It's just so much easier than writing a rule book. It's like just put it all in the card. Well, and that's the thing for this one. Like the rules explain each round separately, and the only difference between each round are the the number of tiles that are the map that make up the map and how many moves you have to get through the map. That's really the only difference. But they took the time to write out like in prose that process for three rounds you know get rid of those two pages or the extra page you spent doing that and give me a player aid that outlines the round structure because yeah was the rule book thematically written no okay (laughs) it wasn't one of those god but uh you know it just it would have made things go a little bit quicker it would have made explaining it a lot 
simpler because in any game that's like a real-time game especially one where you have to play cooperatively everyone has to understand exactly what's going on and even though i was only playing with one other person i had to outline it a couple of different ways in order for it to make perfect sense before we could even start playing whereas if i had a player aid i probably wouldn't have had to do that because a lot of people are visual learners especially nowadays well, yeah, and it just provides you the reminder of all I got to do is look down. Like, I have a question in my head. The first thing I do is check this piece of paper before I have to ask, especially that's crazy that in a real-time game, I mean, although I'm trying to think of the real-time games that I've played, I don't know that there are a lot of round reminders. Yeah, and the other thing that it could have, it should have been a two-sided player aid, one that had, like, the round structure and how many moves you get and things like that. But the other thing that would have been nice is you have uh, six different types of birds in the game. So when you put one down, you don't know what it is until you flip it over. And each bird has two effects, one when they land on the carrot and one when they land on you, the rabbit. So six different birds, two different effects each, and it's just in the rule book. So you have to just keep the rule book open. Well, yeah. I hope that action was called the Flip the Bird. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be That's pretty funny. good. That's pretty good, Dan. But so, yeah, so, uh, I don't know. It had some fun aspects to it. I'm curious to see how the kids do with it. I don't like timers. And that was the other thing is it's a timer game, but you're so focused on the map. It's really, it needs a buzzer. It needs a, it needs an app. That's another that thing that drives me insane. Like, I remember playing Pictomania and a couple of the other games that have things like that. If I have to know exactly when this time ends and I have to focus on my gameplay as well, make yeah. it noisy. <laughs> right. Make right. it have a it, sound. I'm sure. I mean, chucking in a few different sand timers as opposed to developing a timer app, probably cheaper. Yeah, but, for sure. And, and that's definitely why. But uh, unless you have someone who's just going to be the time, you know, the person who watches the sand timer, uh, it kind of doesn't work. It's hard to keep an eye on that. But I don't know. It wasn't the worst game I've ever played. I'm, I'm so sad that you finally played a game and it was one of game about carrots and bunnies. But Oh, two. I love carrots and bunnies. I have two bunnies. Don't you know that? Yeah. So yeah. thematically, it was all good. I'm into the whole carrot bunny situation. You can play this one player. It might be better that way. Yeah. As a puzzle game. Why don't you play it with your rabbits? Oh, that'd be good. They'd eat the cardboard. Rabbits love cardboard. It sounds like they would play really well then. But it sounds like this game could just be eaten anyways. So. <laughs> yeah, don't give it to Board Game Club. <laughs> just give I'll, it to your bunnies. I, I'll. I'm. I'm. It's for kids, right? It's a kids game. So I'm going to try it with the intended audience, and maybe things will go better. All right. Well, Dan, you've been playing a whole bunch of stuff, but before we get into any of that, I feel like we should have our little, uh, how was the BGG Con, and how was the 24-hour board game marathon chat? Because that'll probably lead into some of the things that you played. So you went to the marathon first. I know, because that's why you missed episodes, Dan. How, yes. was, the, uh, how was the marathon? How'd it go? Um, it was approximately 24 hours long. Um, hence the name 24 hour board game marathon. So I'm just going to stick that out there. there. Yep. I just wanted to get that out of the way. I was playing board games for 24 hours and it was a lot of fun. This was, I hadn't done it, 
in two years, I guess. First time I did it was 2014. Um, what this is, is uh, our buddy Dan Patrice at the Geek All-Stars. He hosts what's called Gamers for Cures. Um, this is a charity event for Turner Syndrome, um, which affects uh, hundreds of thousands of millions of um, women uh, throughout the world. Uh, it's a great cause. And it's basically just board gaming for 24 hours. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff. There's silent auctions, there's raffles, there's this like wall of games that he gets donated that everyone puts in tickets for. And, um, you know, the, the proceeds all go towards the charity and then you can win games that are, you know, by winning your raffle ticket kind of thing. You know how raffle tickets work. It's pretty much the same thing. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, I got to play a lot of games that day. And some of them I remember, others I was kind of half asleep. But I did a lot better than the first time I did this. Come like 8 o'clock in the morning the next day, I was actually, I was like, cool, all right, let's go. And I went home and I went back to my hotel. I took like a quick 20, 30-minute power nap and then we got right on the road. So I didn't sleep very well for about mm, maybe 45 hours total because I didn't get to bed till about sometime late Sunday. So it was a really long weekend, but uh, a lot of fun. I got to meet um, Rob from Blue Peg Pink Peg. We played a ton of games together and it was a lot of fun. Um, we had a lot of good laughs. Um, he's a great guy. I hope we can set something up with them in the future because they're not that far away. They're like three or four hours. So we'll get something uh, on the books with them because I had a lot of fun. Uh, those guys are good. Um, they're right in my wheelhouse as far as gaming tastes. At least Rob was. Um, I haven't played a game with Patrick yet, but um, Rob was very willing. He taught me Millennium Blades, which we can talk about if you want to, but it's a great game, and we played Great Western Trail, and we played Oracles of Delphi, and a bunch of stuff. So I will talk about whatever you want me to talk about. Um, well, pick. So here's how we'll do it. Pick one of your games from the 24-hour marathon, and let's chat about one of them, and then next round, you'll talk about something from BGGCon. Yeah, so let me just look at my list right here, because I did kind of just make a list of everything I played. Let's talk about let's talk about Oracle's Delphi, because you've played that, and I'm sure Tiff is interested to hear about that, because she's a Feldian. So Oracle's Delphi is a Feld game, his newest release. Um, this will be coming from our beloved sponsor, TMG, I believe soon. It released at BGGCon, and it sold out very quickly. Um, I ordered mine from Germany, uh, so I, I got it a little bit sooner, and um, I will say the TMG box is much prettier, because they did full cover art instead of the Pegasus Spiel like maroon border that I have, but that's a small comment. Um, the game itself is it's different from other Felds that I've played. This is a race game. There are no points in this. This is objective salad i guess you would say because each player is racing to complete 12 objectives and you all have the same 12 objectives they are set out at the beginning some of them are randomized but every player takes the same ones um, across the board so you're chasing after the same things and it's basically just one big kind of pick up and deliver efficiency puzzle um, the, the main driver of the game is the action dice. So the Oracle dice, as they call them, you have three dice, they have six different facings on them and everything is, um, 
plays off of colors. So each of the sides of the die is a different symbol, but it's a different color. So if you wanna if you wanna pick up the red offering cube and deliver it to the red temple, you're gonna need a red die to pick up the offering cube, and you're gonna need a red die to drop it off at the temple. So everything kind of plays like that um, off of the color schemes and stuff. Um, it is colorblind friendly because the symbols are all different. Um, however, if you do see color, you're going to be really annoyed at the fact that they used pink and red um, as two of the six colors and they look almost identical in certain lighting and it's really obnoxious. And uh, I haven't seen the TMG version. Maybe they fixed that. Maybe they didn't. But oh man, was that obnoxious. They had all, they could have picked bright orange. They could have picked brown. They could have picked a couple of different colors. I'm almost positive that the red, that both the pink and the red side of those dice are both red. It's very close. I think um, they're the same. Yeah. So I can't just, tell. Just one kind of qualm. Other than that, the game is very well produced. I mean, the rest of the game is, it's pleasant on the eyes, unlike most Feld games. Um, it's got a nice kind of art style to it. Um, the symbolism is very clear. The graphic design is neat. Um, so all around, yeah, from a from a visual perspective, it's it's pretty good, except for that stupid pink and red. But yeah, anyways, but the game itself is it's lighter for a Feld game, in my opinion, yeah, because it is just the race. But it's it's all about optimization of your uh, action dice, and then other things you get um, player powers through your ship. Each player gets a ship power at the beginning of the game that alters some um, mechanic in the game. And then when you complete certain things, depending on the order you complete things in, you're going to get um, certain special abilities that let you do certain different things. So each player is going to have variable powers that are quite unique to them and only them. Um, because the even the, the player powers are specific to certain colors. So if I had the the yellow hero card, companion card, like my yellow dice can do different things, but no one else can have that yellow hero card um, because it's mine. So their yellow dice are going to do other things. So it's completely variable. So it's like literally just this, the only like player interaction is basically the race aspect of getting to certain spots that may be better throughout the game for, again, efficiency purposes, etc. I've played it I played it four times now, which is pretty impressive. Uh, four times in the last two and a half weeks um, for me, that's really crazy because I don't I don't play games that many times, and I, I like it. I I'd put it like probably right in the middle of the pack for me as far as Felds go. I like it better than Aquasphere. I'll say that right now. Um, <laughs> but I, I I like I like the puzzle it creates. Um, it's it's a it's a fun exercise. I don't like the fact that. There's so many ties at the end I've seen. Like in every game I've played, at least two people have completed all of their objectives on the same turn, which is pretty crazy. I, it just speaks to the balance and the tightness of the game. And our last game we played, all four of us finished on the last turn. Then it came down to tiebreakers, which was kind of crazy in itself. And then you tied on one of the tiebreakers. Yeah. So that, that kind of <laughs> is like anticlimactic in a way. It kind of just takes a little bit away from it. But again, it, it speaks to kind of the the feeling that at any point in the game, you never really feel like you're out of the race, which is great. And it really keeps you engaged. Um, it even has a mechanic that lets you get a ability on other people's turns. Like you get to move up your little God tokens as, as it goes. So I liked it uh, again, not my favorite Feld. Um, it still sits below the greats Trajan, Bora Bora, Notre Dame, Castles of Burgundy, those, but I, I, I think it sits, it sits firmly in the middle. 
Um, so yeah, I would I would recommend checking it out. I really enjoyed it. I played it twice in two days, and to speak to your comment about it being lighter, I I don't know if I agree or disagree. I I don't know if I played it enough times. I don't know if it's lighter. I feel almost that since it's objective-based, since it is a race game instead of a point acquisition game, you're, what you're trying to do is spelled out in front of you. In the other games, like Bora Bora, like Trajan, where you're just trying to have the most points, you've got to devise a strategy and find out how do I want to get my points. In this game, you know exactly how to get your things. I have to pick this up and put it there or move this and fight there. The issue is, how do I move around efficiently, and how do I mitigate my dice? So, I almost feel that because your end game is spelled out before you, that it feels a little bit lighter. It's still a tough little puzzle, though, and it is fighting against the dice and fighting against uh, other players. You have to be mindful of what's easy to do, what's a little more difficult to do, what can I do right now that somebody else can't do, uh, what do I need to race someone to get done first? Lots of little things to to kind of pick at. I think that I saw my second game, I saw a lot of efficiency in my play. I think that I played much better the second time than the first time. Part of that was my special power, which I really enjoyed, that was very strong. And I also saw, um, in Smee's case, which he actually ended up almost winning as well. He was very close. I think he had one or two objectives left. Uh, he was completely screwed over by the randomness and did not have the mitigation uh, to kind of do a lot of things. So he compared it to, in terms of fun value, he compared it to Arkham Horror and said he would never want to play it again. <laughs> so we have... I see, I see what he's saying. It, because yeah. there are times where you just roll and you're like, well, I'm not doing anything this turn if that's you know going to help me. Yeah. He Now, you can always use your dice for things. You can always spend them to get favor tokens. You can always move yeah, around with them. So it might not be what you want to do. No, but and at in the end of the game, where it comes down to a tie at the end of the game, like losing a turn or two to just piddling around with some kind of, you can do something with the die, but it's not useful. That that really does hurt you. And then the whole like lose a turn when you get your wounds that that can be brutal. But that's yeah, that's easy. And what what I meant by lighter was just it's it's a more forgiving game. There's not. 30,000 things you have to kind of think about. Maybe you do. I, I don't overthink this game. That, that Maybe that's why I... No, I don't think there's a lot of things to... I. There's a lot of things to consider, though. I don't know that it is forgiving because one kind of slip-up, if your other players are playing well, can it's a race game, so any edge that you can take over your opponent can be significant. So I, I think that you do kind of have... it. You have to play efficiently, and you don't really want to mess up because, like you said, a turn or some bad dice rolls sets you back. And it's not very forgiving in that sense because it's hard to come back. Well, you guys have officially talked me out of wanting this game. Good job. I definitely, I think it's a fun I game. I, I really like it. But yeah, but all the f- concerns that I have about it are things that you're talking about. And I don't think I would like it. Yeah. I don't do well with race games. And I don't know. It sounds like I would get frustrated if I got behind. I could avoid this and be okay. Yeah, yeah. it's it's only going to fit a certain audience. And I was one who really liked Aquasphere, and I don't hold... I really like Trajan. I don't hold, like, Bora Bora and Castles of Burgundy in such high regard in, in terms of the Feld comparison, but it's a very different game than those. So if those are the games you resonate with, this is definitely going to fall down the ladder for you. Agree. Yeah, like I said, it's middle of the pack for me. I 
it's a it's a try before you buy in my opinion see if you like it see if it's your style of game but it's very you you see little bits of feld in it there's a little bit of castles of burgundy there's a little bit of bruges there's a little bit of la isla there's a little bit of everything that i think he's done in the most recent years in this game but again it's it's skewed in this way that it's it's now a race there's no points there's no there's there's some strategy but it's highly tactical again those die rolls really drive everything you can do from turn to turn in that way so you can have a kind of a loose strategy and maybe that's why it kind of falls down a bit for me is because i don't have as much control as i like but as far as like the felds where he's like beating you over the head with this or that and feeding your people like it's not that which is good <laughs> um for for like people so i think it's I, i'd put it like at the east level as far as like an an intro to Feld kind of thing. I think it really gives you a flavor for his style, his preferred mechanics and use of dice, etc. Um, but it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't like smack you upside the head. I would not pass on an opportunity to play this, Tiff. I would play okay. it if you ever get a chance. All right. I'm not saying I would. I would pass on playing it. I would definitely play it. It's a Feld, but I don't have any interest in buying this after hearing your description. I think I'm excited to have it. Very differing opinions here. Okay. <laughs> I, did, I mean, the, the, the idea of, like, no points, I don't know, that's the, that's one thing I like about Feld games is you have all these points, and it's, yeah. it's you always feel like you're in it because you don't know if you're not. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. All right. Well, I played a bunch of stuff, too, and I'm not really sure what I want to talk about. I had first plays of Great Western Trail and Conan and Kepler and... A lot of different little games. Uh, well, I have another game, if you can't think of one. You have another game? Yeah. Oh, my. All right, well, <laughs> I'll come to a decision while you talk about another game. Okay. It's so weird. I have games it is. About. Uh, I have finally got to play Pandemic Reign of Cthulhu. And what's even weirder is I played it twice. I feel like this is where I do a spit take. <laughs> as I'm drinking uh, my water. It should probably come as no surprise that I loved it. It was perfect. It was, you know, I've been on kind of like a weird, like I burned out a little bit on a lot of my hobbies just because I've been busy and uh, it makes sense that pandemic would get me excited again because it was the thing that got me excited in the first place. And this is kind of just like a perfect standalone, you know, it's, it's different from the first one. I think I'm glad I own both because i don't think the cthulhu theme is gonna appeal to everyone but i like awakening old ones as opposed to having outbreaks and things i like that idea i like that change um i like the sanity die although i could see where people (laughs) might not like that yeah (laughs) so uh if you don't know what i'm talking about so in the game there are relics that you can use, and there are shogoths that move on the board, and those cause you to roll a sanity die, and you, you have four sanity. And mm-hmm. uh, if, if you lose all of your sanity and become insane, your card flips over and your, your individual action becomes lessened, and then if everybody becomes insane, you lose. So, And uh, we did lose once, because we all became insane one of the many ways you can lose in that game much like yeah. pandemic. <laughs> there are a lot of ways to lose yeah you we didn't awaken as many old ones as i thought we would no 
No, we, like we we had like three or four like tops. Yeah. The but. the one time I played because Ben and Kel had played before and they they lost by awakening Cthulhu. The one time we played, we only awakened four of them, maybe five, and the last one that awakened like I had that relic that you can slap the token on it and ignore it. Yeah. So I di- I did that so that we could win the game because it was messing with us. But we almost ran out of the deck. We were on our last card uh, that game, so we almost lost that way. We almost lost once by uh, running out of cultists to place on the board. Things wow. were getting a little hairy. Yeah, okay. we had a lot of cultists on the board. Um, but yeah, I I liked it. I mean, I only played two players, so okay. I like to see it with more. But yeah. I think it it feels a little bit more streamlined than Pandemic. Like it feels easy, like easier to understand. I don't know, maybe just because I'm so like into Cthulhu and Awakening Old Ones makes a lot of sense to me. Like the yeah. outbreaks and the chains of outbreaks, it gets complicated and maybe even a little cumbersome. The movement is easier. Yeah. So I don't know. I there I are less like territories, and the cards are per. You know, there's only four colors, so there's only four colors of cards as opposed to specific, like, location cards. It's, it's just a little bit, like you said, it's it's not simpler, but it, it, I can, maybe it is simpler. There's just less, there's less to fight with in terms of the structure and the board because you've got these great old ones bearing down on you. Right. Basically what they did, if you remember regular Pandemic, the, the location cards for Pandemic, that one deck is used for everything. So each location is specific. In this version, they split that into two decks. So one deck that has generic locations that you're collecting to seal gates as opposed to eradicate diseases and stuff. And then the other deck, which has specific locations, which you use to summon the cultists, which are the disease cubes in this So they separated that, which made the whole travel part a little bit simpler. And I don't know, it just works better in my brain. Uh, I don't know if this would be like, (laughs) I've been debating if I should bring this one to Board Game Club or regular Pandemic, which one would be the better one to introduce. I think like graphically, this one looks amazing. You know, It, it has, it's thematic. And I don't know, like I could see my board game club getting into this theme, but then I'm like, oh, I don't know, Cthulhu, is that like inappropriate for school? I don't know. Uh, I, don't know. <laughs> I didn't think so until someone on Twitter was talking about it. And I was like, I never considered Cthulhu and like Lovecraftian themes to be like offensive to anybody, but I guess they could be if you were religious. Well, they suck, so that's pretty offensive. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> Always it's appreciate a, your. It's a opinion. very like classic kind of horror, though. The, right. It doesn't have. It's not gore. It's not slash horror. It's just mo- yeah. monsters and squiggly faced people. You know? And insanity. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I like it. I will probably bring this one in. Um, I don't know. I keep. Going I think back you can get away with it. it. I definitely can get away with it. That's for sure. My, I mean, we've played games with like cartoony Cthulhu's in them. This this is a slightly more realistic, but realistic. We're talking about a giant. So you'll have monster. to have your your pep talk beforehand about how Cthulhu is not real, listen. and no great old ones will be raised, and demonic satanic <laughs> rituals are not appropriate for school. Yeah, we yeah. we always have to have those chats, <laughs> but. I don't know. I think this might be the one I introduced to them. Is that weird? Should, uh, should I? Well, be... I know that you were thinking about regular pandemic because that's got that classic value to it. 
Right. Well, and the theme is more, I don't know, I, it's just more generic. Yeah. So if you're, if you're, if Cthulhu's put you off like they do Dan, um, I don't know. I don't think my guys in Board Game Club will be put off by giant squid monster things, but uh, I don't know. You could bring them both and ask them which one they want to do. Like, hey, do you guys want to fight diseases or this sweet old one monster well, yeah, if you thing and pitch it insane. like that you could just be like are you more into diseases or monsters well and i They're feel like if i the put the game. two side by side you know i yeah. think that they would pick the more th- like the cthulhu one I they know. might surprise you kids like scary things i guess i don't know i don't have any oh well neither do i but I my kids at school think i'm scary so i don't know you, know, <laughs> you are scary. Could have anyway, pandemic mat. Needless to say, I loved it, and it was really easy to get through. Um, I mean, definitely played in 30, 40 minutes, so we were able to play it twice back to back. And that's awesome. Yeah, if you like pandemic and Cthulhu, you should definitely get this. Woo. It's okay to own both. Nice. Yeah. All right. I'll now, do you know game. what you're going to talk about? I think I'm going to keep on the thematic train because Dan, some of the Euros that Dan might talk about, I have also played, so we'll let him introduce them. Uh, but we played the first scenario of Conan. I finally got to play it. We broke it out with four players. Kel was the overlord, and we had me, Steve, and Dan as the adventurers. And this is Monolith Games, Big Box Minis. Waited two years for this. Lots of really high-detailed quality sculpts and a lot of dice rolling. Uh, the game is interesting. The reason why I backed this game is because of the interesting cooldown mechanism. You have to, like, manage your fatigue and your stamina resource. So basically, I have 10 gems in my little fatigue pile. Every time I want to do something, like fight, throw a throw an axe, or open a chest or anything like that, I've got to commit gems to that action. Every gem I commit gives me a die. I roll the dice, see if I succeed. And then I have to wait to get those gems back. So the more I spend, uh, the less I'll be able to do on my future turns. So you kind of have to budget your resources. And then there's an overlord, which has the same kind of thing. They have this cool, it's called the river, this cool line of monsters. And each monster, depending on their position, far left costs you one gem to activate, and far right costs you eight gems to activate. So you can activate whoever you want, you just have to pay the cost. Once you activate someone, they move to the back of the line and everything shifts down. So the scenario we played was pretty cool. We had to run in, save a damsel in distress, much like the Conan fiction would have you doing. And then we had to cut off the witch doctor's head, pick up <laughs> pick up his head, and run out of the town. Uh, so that was our, our goal. And it was, it was okay. You know, I had fun with it. I think that this game is probably the definition of Ameritrash. It is like high fantasy it's hack and slash it's roll dice it it has that interesting little like cooldown mechanism your your resource management but other than that it's just theme and you know kind of mindless run around not a whole lot of strategy here and it's very swingy which is kind of cool because you get these epic moments where i we thought we were up against the ropes I had teleported out like 10 turns ago, and it was just Dan and Steve fighting this giant snake and the bad guy, and in one turn, they killed the snake, they cut a guy's head off, and they ran away. You know, it was like this big, <laughs> epic moment. So I, th- I thought it was pretty cool. There's a whole bunch of scenarios to try out. Uh, we, we fumbled through some of the rules. The rulebook is not great. It's not too bad. It's not as bad as everyone th- 
had been saying on the forums, but uh, there's a couple of things, mainly this hindrance rule where if there's enemies in your spot, you can't do certain things. We kind of botched that a little bit, and the game would have been a little bit different, but it felt well-balanced um, between the two, being able to kill like these minion monsters versus Kel having this big giant like snake and this big witch doctor that could fight back. And uh, I thought it was appropriately thematic and kind of epic, and I don't know... Dan, I know Dan was like almost willing to play it again the next day. What? So that's kind of a thing. I don't know that he might have just been doing me a courtesy though. Um a little bit of both. To be honest, I I disagree on the the quintessential Ameritrash. I actually thought this game tried to be a little too clever with the resource management and it led to moments where I just didn't have anything to do and like the whole thing about Ameritrash, like when I set my, you know, when I level set my mind to play an Ameritrash is I'm going to go in, I'm going to chuck dice every turn, I'm going to do some crazy things, and then the game will end. But this, with that resource management system, while I in, I thought it was interesting, it led to a couple of turns, I mean, it was only eight rounds, but I think two or three of those rounds, I had to go into what they call defensive mode just to get gems back, and that meant I basically lost my turn. And I really did not like that. I thought that was just, uh, yeah, I didn't like that at all because it's like, I want to just, if I'm going to play this game, I want to run in, I want to roll dice horribly like I do always. And I want to just try some things and have those cool moments. But I thought, I thought the the fact that you could only like recover two gems per turn. And then like, there comes a point where like, after you have one of those epic moments, it's like, oh, I need to rest. I'm tired. And then you didn't get to do well, anything. Yeah, because you turn. just ran in and chopped a snake's head off. It's exhausting. I, I get it. But my biggest pet peeve is games that, like, where you just sit and don't do anything. And it's, there's a difference with, like, you where you, like, teleported all the map. And we talked about that, too. I thought that was kind of silly that, like, once you left the map, you couldn't come back. It's like, thematically, I'm like, go stash the girls somewhere and then run back and help us, kind of thing. Like, that would have been way more fun. But that wasn't horrible but you did watch us play for like three rounds like because um the scenario dictated one of the three of us had to leave the map with this chick kind of thing so it was yeah it was good like i liked a lot about it but i said like i said that i think they tried to be too cute with that resource management system um and for me i'd rather just go in and just roll some dice um and then get them back again kind of thing instead of having to I don't know. I, I, I liked it, but I would have liked to see it tweaked a little bit. Maybe a couple more gems heal every turn. Maybe three or four instead of just two. You know what I mean? I think it's the idea of you've got this floating turn structure, so we can all do our actions interchangeably. So Tiff, you could run in and attack someone, then I could run over here and stab someone, and then you can go again, and then we don't... The, the action phase doesn't end until we decide that we're all done with our actions. So I think it's the give and take of like, okay, this turn is going to be your big turn. And maybe I'll do a couple little things. And then next turn, I'm going to have a big turn. And you can do a couple little things. And you try to, I, I don't think we balanced our our resources well because everyone wanted to do cool stuff. So Steve was like, but that's screw it. I'm bashing this wall down and slicing someone. And then Dan was like, I'm going to come do something like that too. And then. They were That's both what you want to do. That's what you want to do in a, in, a, in a thematic Ameritrashy kind of game like that. You want to do epic things. You don't want to have to go, uh, if I do that, then uh, well, but I'm going to go Think about like other Ameritrash games that only give you like two actions per turn. So at least here you can like, you can budget yourself to have 
to do yeah. a bunch of little things every I turn, guess. or you could do a big thing and, and rest. Like yeah, a lot of Ameritrash games limit you a lot more than this game. I guess I, maybe it's because I just don't play them all that much. But yeah. the ones I've played, the big ones like Imperial Salt, which is excellent, Descent, which is excellent. You only um, get two actions per turn in those. I get it, but I can do. You can't do cool anything things. big in those games. Yeah, you can do cool things every turn. Um, you definitely can. Um, but yeah, I yeah, this one for me just it, it limited my ability to do coolness, and maybe it was it's just a too product Euro-y. of the. No, it's not that. <laughs> Well, that uh, okay, maybe it was, but like I said, like if I'm going to play one of these like 75 dudes on a map kind of thing, and I'm running around hacking and slashing them, I want to go hack and slash them. I don't want to hack them and go, oh, well, if I hack you a little harder, next turn I'm going to have to rest, and I'm going to have to do this, and then I'm only going to get two, and then, I, no, I just want to beat your face in. I just want to do that. Um, and maybe it was a product of the scenario because we all started on opposite ends of the board and we couldn't cooperate very well, and I don't know. It may have been that. I don't know. Um, I liked it though. Like I, I have no problems playing it again. Um, I was just a little let down by how that action point system was integrated into the game. Um, I, I wanted to do more, if that makes sense. You heard it here first. Dan wants more dice chucking and hack and slash. That's what I want in a game where I'm going to be dice chucking and hack and slashing. Yes, that's what I, don't I want. Oh, like having to rest and all that. Isn't that thematic and. You know, it is, but then you do, you do nothing on your turn, and the game is eight turns. Like, there was three of the eight turns I did nothing on my turn kind of thing. and that Literally was just nothing or liter- something no. supportive nothing? Nope. Literally nothing. You when you go into the cautious stance, the only things you can do are defend and reroll because you're, you're ah. hunkering down. See? And that, that was my thing. Like, I was like, three of the eight turns I had to do that, um, and it was just like, Ah, just give me a little because bit more. Because the three turns prior to those three turns, he did something crazy huge and like chopped eight people's heads off. But once you get a taste for it, you want to keep doing it. Like that is Conan. <laughs> that is the theme. Like I want to go chop people's freaking heads off. Like that's what I want to do. I had wow. my dagger named Chris and I was just running around and just slaying people like all day, every day. And I want to just keep doing that. You I was can't having fun slay with that. forever. Yes, you gotta you rest. Can. You gotta you rest. Wanna... You will get worn out. Listen, I started a kickboxing workout, and I can tell you, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta rest. You can't like just kick four people's heads off. Tiff kicks like three, four heads hour. off, and then she's gotta rest. I yeah, understand the rest. thematic merit <laughs> of having to sit Indian style and watch everyone else do something for a Criss-cross turn. Crisscross applesauce is what we call that now. Yeah, gotcha. Indian Sorry. Style. Inappropriate. My but apologies. it was also your choice to to play that way, is what I'm trying to say. Like you could have done. I get it, but like that's how I want time. to play those games. Like that's how I think you like most people would want to play those games. But that that was just it. It wasn't bad. I just I, I hate when you can't do anything on your turn. Like that's my biggest thing. Like if it's a product of like your tactical placement or something like fine. Like if I ran off the board, okay, I knew running off the board I wasn't going to get to play. Um, but like it was just like because I spent to like attack, I I'm literally surprisingly lost my next turn. By this game, <laughs> I never expected to even want to try this game. But it sounds good. How long did it take? Hour plus. Setup took forever. Yeah, setup oh. and teardown are ridiculous in this one. You got us. It's just because there's all those minis uh, and and tokens and stuff. And my game was not organized well because I never played it. <laughs> right. So it was not bagged appropriately. Uh, and scenario did not take long though. Probably an hour. Okay. Not bad. 
So I wonder if I have any friends that own this that are in Ohio. I'm sure thousands of people own it. No, people that 16, I know. 16,000 people I don't know that many people. No. Remember? Well, yeah. I, I know there's a guy in... Where did I sell mine? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know where it was. Somewhere. That's all right. I'll just head out to Maryland sometime soon. Come on by. We'll roll some dice and make Dan uncomfortable. Sweet. I'll all play right, it, Dan. but... It's just, yeah, it's one of those things. Like, I, I just was, I was just saddened by that part of it. And I thought that was the part I would like most. So maybe my, my expectations were just below. Like, they were so high. Well, it should excite you because you sold yours. So you benefited. No, it's not that. It's, I, I said it was a good game. I'm not against like that. I just, I think I set my levels so high on that uh, action point system, which I thought was so cool. And then it, it, it kicked me in the wiener. And I was just like, Ow. Dan gave into the hype. I gave into the hype of the action. Well, no, because I, I didn't even know about the action point system until <laughs> I read the rule book, which was mm, like a week ago or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Well, you also went to BGG Con. You played a whole bunch of stuff. I'm going to run down the BGG Con hotness real quick, and you're going to tell me yay or nay about these games. Like, were they hot when you saw them? And do you have anything fun to say about them? Flag Dash is number one, surprisingly. That's cool. Whoa. Um, yeah. Yeah, that is. We a, played Flag Dash. We like Flag Dash. It was all right. Yeah, we'll be reviewing that one at some yeah. point uh, here in the near future. Um, it's good, and they had a booth, which was cool. I met um, Kirk. So I met Kirk. Um, funny story. Kirk and I had been going back and forth um, through email because he asked us to review the game, and you know we accepted because this is one we we actually talked about this on a Kickstarter preview, I think, and Matt. Had interest in it, I know, and I had interest in it. So I said, sure, we'll take a look at it. And um, met him, we started emailing, and I, I sent him the ad- my address, and he goes, you live in Bel Air, Maryland? He's like, I grew up in Bel Air, Maryland. <laughs> he now lives in Wisconsin, but he, he says he comes back here every once in a while. But I just thought it was so weird that he grew up where I live, which is a very small area of Maryland. Like, it's not like huge metropolitan Baltimore city or Annapolis or anything like that. It's little Bel Air, Maryland. And just of all these people, like, you know, we just came together through this email and this review copy, which was kind of cool. So I had a chance to talk to him, um, at his booth, um, during the con and it was great to meet him and his wife and his little, uh, his little boy. And it was awesome. So yeah, look forward to that one. Um, we'll probably review that, uh, in the new year. At some cool. point, because um, I, I enjoyed it. I know we played a couple things wrong the first time we played it, and we need to correct those things. But It's got those meeples that hold the flags, man. Yeah, and, and we got Eric into it. And when you get our little brother Eric into a game, it's usually something that you can That's um, true. easily get That's played. True. So he liked it. Yeah. Well, you also played number two, Terraforming Mars, again. I did play Terraforming Mars. Um, I played a five-player game. Um, this was – it was good. Um, and it, it still remains a good game. I, I said that before. It's a good game. It's not one that I'm dying to run out and own or dying to run out and play over and over, but I will play it if someone asks me to. It still runs a bit long for what it is with the, the card play, um, in my opinion. Um, five players, it was almost pushing three hours, and that's just a lot to deal with the, the headache of drawing those random cards, but um, I did manage to figure out some semblance of a small strategy. Um, I had to pivot about 75 times during the game because I couldn't get into one strategy and I had to go into another one and back out. It, and that's what probably annoys me most about the game. Um, it's just too tactical for me. 
but it is a good game. It is a solid game. I, I don't fault people for thinking it is a great game. I don't think it's the best game that came out this year, like some people are saying, uh, but it is a good game. The graphic design and artwork uh, and production quality is pretty pathetic. I don't like that at all. Um, but yeah, I understand why people like it, and it's a good game. And yeah, and this is all, I won that game too, so this is not because I lost or anything like that. So this is my opinion coming from a winner. A champion. <laughs> Opinions coming from a winner. Good to know. Well, number three is Captain Sonar, a game that we played a whole bunch of, and I know you're not a huge fan of, but did uh, did you see a lot of people playing the old Captain Sonar? I did not, actually. No? Um, I saw a few games set up here and there, but I didn't, I didn't see it a lot. Maybe that's because yeah. I just wasn't in the right area for it. Yeah. But. Number four and number five are games that I have not heard of. First one is Nightmare Forest Dead Run. I think that's the new yellow game. Oh, okay. I saw it. If it is the yellow game I'm thinking of, um, but it might not be. Maybe that was Enchanted Forest. I don't know. Yellow has a game about woods coming out in the near future. <laughs> oh, they're, they're kids' adventure game? Yeah, it's like a cooperative game. This is from Solar Flare Games. Oh, well, then this is definitely not the one I saw. So, okay. no idea. Okay. And the other one was No Respect, the Rodney Dangerfield game. No That's idea. number five. Okay. That must be like this year's joke kind of game, I guess. There seems to be like the last couple years I've gone, like a game that just makes its way up just to be funny. Just for thing. fun? Yeah. So skipping number six, because I think that's the one we're going to want to talk about. Number seven is Adrenaline. We love Adrenaline. We just played that again. Number eight is Cottage Garden, which we haven't talked about on the show, but I played it a bunch and we'll get to that. And number 10 is Kodama the Tree Spirits, which is a reprint, a reskin of Kigi. Uh, which we've played and talked about before. So number six and number nine. Number six is Fabled Fruit, and you got to play this, right? Yeah, I did. Oh. Not a fan. I'm hearing good things about it from most people. It I was is, hoping. Uh, Tiff, this would probably be a good one for your club. Um, I, I personally thought it was too boring um, mm. to play myself. Um, so what happened? I like to get games for my club that I like to play. I think you could, like I it. think maybe you could get into it with the right audience. Um, for me personally, it was just too light. Um, so you have like these, it starts out with these six action cards. So the, the premise of the game is like you're placing workers and you're collecting fruit. It's like a little one worker placement with set collection. That is the whole game. Um, but the, the catch is there's this deck of cards that, um, as you dig further in, so you, you collect the cards that are like the action worker spaces once you complete their set collection at requirements and then new ones come out from the deck. So every game you're going to, so what you do is like, as you play the game, you, when you put it away, the next time you play it, you start over from where you left off in the deck, putting out new cards. Um, so the actions are constantly changing and that's kind of the quote legacy part. I don't know what the legacy part is, whatever. I'm not going to get into that. So that's that. So, uh, this opinion comes from just the, the initial game. I did not, I, I kind of looked through the deck to kind of see what was coming. Cause I just wanted to see if it got any more interesting but basically you have so you start out with six little action cards i think it's like stacks of three each so these are like the the animals that want fruit because they're trying to make juice like the theme is cute the artwork is cute um i will say that and you've got these cool little wooden animal meeples like i was a i was a giraffe i think i was um i had this the turtle stolen from me by uh matthew gravelin so thanks for stealing my turtle man um, <laughs> 
the uh, so you just basically you put a worker on that space and you take the action it says so in the initial games it was like draw three fruit or exchange a banana with a player and they have to give you two fruit and the other one was like draw two fruit or one was like flip out cards until you you know until you bust which busting is like if you draw two fruits of the same and you're literally just trying to collect the orders on these cards so the initial setup was like three bananas and a pineapple or three bananas and a wild or something whatever they said you turn in that set you collect the card and the, the round was over the game was over when someone collected three cards that was it when you go you can go anywhere of those six cards and as cards come out so every time you complete something a new card comes out so like there might be seven actions now um until one of those six initial piles go away so yeah so you literally just move your meeple if someone's on that card you have to pay them a fruit tax which is give them a fruit of your choice otherwise you just take the action and that's your turn you keep doing this over and over (laughs) I, I just lost interest in it. And again, I this is the intro, kind of this is the base game first setup. I don't know how the, you know, as you dig deeper into it, it will change it up. But it's a very simple rule set, very simple game. It was just too light for me. I think it would be a good family weight game if you had a, you know, a family gaming group with more casual players that maybe would get into the depths of this deck. Maybe good for, like you said, a middle school board gaming club where you could break this out with the kids, maybe play a game of it each week, um, and they could dig through the deck and might find like joyousness in the the discovery. Joyousness. <laughs> joyousness. I just lost words there. The English language eludes me at times. So yeah, I just, I don't know. For the, what is it, 45, 50 bucks? No, no thank you. Uh, it was just, I think, yeah, I think they were selling it for 45 bucks at the booth. This one did not sell out at BGG Con on like Great Western Trail and some of their other Stronghold releases. So I don't know. I heard mixed reactions. Some people like really, really dug it for its simplicity. And um, again, I don't know what their gaming group or their, you know, what their group is that they feel like it would be um, suitable for. For me, I would never, ever pull this out with our gaming group because I think I'd just get laughed at. But. Um, <laughs> because we like the heavier stuff and I think we get more we get more out of the heavier games it's not to say that this was a bad game I thought it was a very simplistic mechanical system it was smooth um, it was interactive which if you're looking for interactive in like a set collection worker placement game fine again the interaction comes through trading with other people and things like that um, and, and like the varying action spaces as they came out was an interesting concept I just would like to see this kind of concept implemented in a um a more complex game i think is what i'd like to see and maybe that's something he has in the works he was kind of testing the waters with the system kind of who knows he's a crazy mad scientist so freedom and freeze will come up with something but uh as it is i I just wasn't intrigued enough by the the kind of the first play to to explore it further how you feeling tiff Mm, i don't know i'm not I'm not sold on it, surprisingly. You can grab it online for 30 bucks. Yeah, 30 bucks sounds right for what he's describing, but my board game club lately, we're getting into some deeper games, so yeah. like, I'm not really looking. Maybe I can transition those kids that can only play Lift It into something like this. Yeah. Uh, I've, been having, I've been having a serious problem with Lift It wanting to get played 
too much. I need to. Damn, lose would that you rather game. play Lifted or Fabled Fruit? Fabled Fruit, probably, because I don't uh, party game. But um, I like Lifted. Lifted's fun. I don't know. I and this this game has its audience. I will say that, but it's just not me. Like, I if this that... game showed up on my doorstep, <clears throat> I would play it, and I would talk about it. Just say it. I don't, this isn't a tasty menstrual game, Tiff. I don't know where, who's getting you this game. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, anyway. Stephen Monaco, if you're listening, hey, Tiff will play your up? game if you send Steven. it to her for free, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I looked at it in the game store and thought of, I almost bought it. I bought Fuji Flush instead. Yeah. I broke my gaming hi- hiatus for Fuji Flush because I like that game a lot and it's easy yeah. and fun. But yeah, I don't know. I, w- I would try it. I want to try it, but I don't want to buy it yet. Well, if you... So there. I'm, I'm not going to say Just that say. on the air. <laughs> no. Okay, good. Don't. I know what you're thinking. What's the what other was I going to say? There's another game that we were going to talk about. Let's move on to that. Yeah. Nine is Aeon's End. Now, that's an action phase, like, deck building game. It was a big Kickstarter, and it's getting some good buzz. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that crossed your path at all. I saw it being demoed, and I kind of, like, popped my head over, and I saw tons of cards and deck building, and I just kind of kept walking kind of thing. Not my style. But I've heard some interesting things. I think the Shut Up and Sit Down guys just talked about it. On their last podcast, they played a, a review copy of it, and it had some interesting mechanics, but... Ultimately, I don't think they were sold on it, but I, I won't speak for them. You can go listen to that, but um, I, I deck builder. Yeah, that's all we have to say, right? Yep. What was uh, what was your highlight of BGGCon in terms of games played? Um, that's a tough question. I was not. Um, there wasn't like that game like last year where like Shakespeare was like my favorite. I loved Shakespeare. I wanted to play Shakespeare all the time. Like I didn't have one this year that really kind of blew me away. I played. I'll just run through a couple that I played. So. I think the game I think I had the most fun with, if we're going to talk fun, that was Costa Rica, and that's from Rio Grande. And this is, I would have never thought I would have had fun with this game, because it just looks bland. But it is like this spatial reasoning, not spatial reasoning, but it's got a spatial element, kind of push your luck, where you've got these little, like, uh, you've got a set of explorers that are kind of laid out in the board and they're in groups of one for each player and you just pick a group and you set your guy on the tile and flip it and it's a set collection game so you're looking to get groups of the same animal as well as kind of all six animals and you look at the animal you flipped and you simply say keep it or pass and then it goes around the table and they could keep it or pass kind of thing and you keep doing that until someone keeps it or you bust um, busting is there's these little mosquito icons and if you get two of them you bust but you know you you take them and then if if i was the one for instance that stopped and i said okay i want these you know these three lizards kind of thing i take those i lose that explorer so that explorer is kind of gone his thing so now i have one less explorer to kind of look at the other elements because the the board the game board is just a bunch of these hexes set up in like an island shape like a big island shape so You've got different like explorer parties around the island, so you can look at different tiles around the island. So if you lose one, then you're kind of mapped into others. There's a little, uh, there's a little bit of a, um, 
a meanness factor and it's not huge it's not huge at all but you could cut people off to where like they're not connected to the island anymore because the tiles you've collected um so they lose that explorer but i i really had a lot of fun with it i thought it was really cute <laughs> um and the pressure luck was was it was good. It was like, mm, that's a tough decision, which is always good in those kind of games. So very simple rule set, very simple um, setup and play. So I think that was like my surprise fun game uh, of the con. I was also taught by Patrick Hillier, uh, Glory to Rome, finally, so I can finally play my damn copy. Um, I liked that one a lot. Uh, I liked it better than Motainai. Uh, or Matanai or whatever it was. Um, this one had a little bit more to it, but it's it was around the same time. Um, so I'm looking forward to playing that one some more. Cute Factor, uh, that goes to Dream Home, um, if I'm going to do. The art in that was super cute. Tiff, this would be a great one for Board Game Club. I don't know that it has enough meat for me to want to own a copy, um, but it definitely has a really cool kind of spatial element to the drafting. Um, and some little special abilities and decor, and it, it, it's just a super cute game. I, I enjoyed it, but again, I don't know that I need to add it to my collection um, because I don't have that gaming group for it. But Yay, I was hoping that one might be good. Yeah, I, I liked it. Um, I liked it better than, like uh, similar way to like an Oceanos, but I liked it 20 times more. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so super cute. What else did I play? I played some oldies, but goodies still. I played Finca. I played Navigador. Those were just classics. Oh, those so are good. Yeah, those are so good. I played, I played, ah, let's talk Pop Apollo. I played this one twice. So this one was, um, this one was about delivering pizzas. Um, you're basically running this pizza delivery service and you're trying to deliver these pizzas to the various neighborhood areas, um, on your little tile laying board in front of you. Um, the it's broken into two phases the first phase is like a worker placement there's this grid of neighborhood tiles neighborhood tiles have one to three colored houses on it and when you deliver all the pizzas on those tiles so what you do is when you place a worker on the tile you can either take the action that is on the axis or one of the axis of that grid or you can collect the tile when you collect a tile you put it into your little um tableau area where you're building your neighborhood so it's a little tile um, laying aspect of it and then when you complete these when you completely deliver all the pizzas to one of those little tiles um, you get a bump on one of your special abilities so if i delivered all the greens i can move up my green ability which gives me more deliverers kind of thing so there's that cool little aspect of it um, so it's this worker placement thing which is really cool when you're collecting these tiles putting them into your thing delivering pizzas the second phase is an auction where you're trying to, um, it's a it's a fixed auction. You're just moving your pieces on this track, so to speak, um, bidding for delivery tiles. And these delivery tiles um, allow you to deliver X number of spaces away and Y number of pizzas. So you're trying to like, again, deliver to all your neighborhoods because leftover pizzas go in the trash at the end and they're minus one. And so a cool little puzzle to figure out. Um, I really, I liked the game a lot actually. Um, the biggest thing that kept me from purchasing it was the graphics, the, the tiles, and they were trying to go for like this kind of like top down look of like an old, like Italian city. I forget where it was officially kind of quote based, but like they tried to do this old, like, um, orange roofs. Yeah. Naples. Okay. It feels based in Naples. Fine. Yeah. That makes sense actually. But it was very cluttered. A lot of times, sometimes, not a lot of times you couldn't tell like the yellow roofs from the 
base orange roofs that weren't nothing. They were just kind of scenery on the tile. Um, it was just, and when they were all laid out in that grid, it was just like, oh my God, oh my God, somebody threw up on the board. It just like was this cluttered looking thing. So that was the one thing kind of deterred me. I'm hoping that they, maybe they can clean that up with a second edition. But other than that, I thought the gameplay was pretty solid. I liked it. I played it twice. That's good to know because I have that coming. <laughs> okay. I I added it to my pledge when I backed uh, La Cosa Nostra from Quind yes. Games. Yeah, so my pledge has a Pop Apollo. That won't be here till like February though. Yeah, it's good, but the it's it's really ugly to look at like it really hurts your eyes it looks really busy and bright it's super busy but the gameplay is pretty solid the the auction part i don't know if this is just a product of the play group or whatever but the auction part was super loose and not that interesting um i think it was a bit it felt a bit tacked on the worker placement part was super cool i liked that a lot but the second phase the auction thing was just a little mm, i think that could be maybe more players titans that i'm not sure but with three players, both games I played were with three. It was it's one of those auction systems where like you place a thing and someone could either go there's three columns and you're all bidding on the three different tiles. And one person can either go in front of the the player that just bid, which knocks them into another column, or have they have to bid in front of you or not. And if you play until all three columns are uncontested. So uh, if you build your city right a lot of times, you could just go, all right, I'll take row one, you take row two, I'll take row three, and that was it kind of thing. And you just pay your money and went on your way. Like there was no auction per se. So I think they could have done something more interesting with that piece. Um, but the worker placement part was cool. Um, yeah, so yeah, solid game. Cool. Tiff, how great is gaming with adults? Oh, it's so good. I've like It had been so long that I kind of forgot about how much yeah. fun playing with adults, like how different it is. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but it is real. It's almost been since Gen Con since I played actual games with adults because it's That's been crazy. It's been a long time. I've had a lot going on this year. Yeah. So, well, we cranked uh, out a game of La Isla online on yeah, Yukata like thirty minutes. Amazing. It was great. We should do that more often. Uh, yeah, I we finally did it. We've talked about it for years and years now. We actually played a game together. <laughs> Literally for years, yeah. How no. do we set it up to be, we should have like... We should just have a regular weekly time. Yeah. We record we, too early, or I'd say like, the three of us should play a game before we record every day, every time. Yeah, that's but, not going to work. I can't get up that early on the weekends. Yeah, but hey, that was cool. Yeah, we just, and we, it was funny because we just kind of did it and went about our day. Yeah. Which, you know, a lot of the times when I play games, it's a game day and we it's play multiple things. We said one o'clock. I think we pushed it back to twelve thirty. We'll play. We got on. We played a game of La Isla, and then you're like, "I'm gonna go." I was like, "I'm gonna go too." See ya. And then we just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I think that's been my problem. Like, I have little chunks of time like that for sure. Like, yeah. it's not like I'm one hundred percent busy all the time. I just don't have enough time to host a game night. Exactly. For five hours. Yeah. I don't have time to sit down and play an hour-long game. So I, that's kind of what happened last night is my buddy Justin, he he moved closer to us, so now he can just pop in and pop out. So he came cool. over, and I was like, you're playing Cthulhu Pandemic. <laughs> it's happening. So. And you did it twice, and then you just kind of like went about your night? Yeah, we watched some uh, <laughs> YouTube videos where uh, dudes eat MREs from like... You're still oh, watching those? Yeah. I just, they're fascinating. I think uh, Steve1989, you should, if you're into weird YouTube stuff, maybe check that out. 
I, I watch, don't think so. Watch a guy eat some 50-year-old sausages. Uh, <laughs> this is Tiff's new thing, Dan. I'm surprised you're not jumping on it to make fun of her after the dog stroller. He's not listening. It's fine. It's no. not my new thing. It's just, it's a way to pass the time. Like, every once in a while, I'll find a YouTube thing that just, like, makes me feel better to watch it. Like, no, for a while, We talked it was about this on the news for way too long, Tiff. Oh. You left it all in? Oh, yeah. I hope not. Don't leave that all in. Anyway. Too much MRE talk. <sighs> They're entertaining, slightly. But see, this is why it's hard to have sympathy when she says she can't play games, because she's watching these dumb YouTube videos <laughs> all the time. Yeah, but I can watch a 15-minute youtube video tiff you want to play a game i can't i'm watching these people throw up <laughs> i'm never eating. i'm never saying that i'm never like no i'm too busy food. here good times is that it that's the show all right well we have been chatting that took that took a good long time that was good game talk we all got to talk about games that we played yeah that was great. It was good. good job tiff the good job Dan. the beauty is i have like 34 more stock loaded for the next two months that's perfect. So now I, I don't have to too. think. <laughs> Tiff, you have to catch up, but you're you're you've set the wheel in motion. This is good. Yeah. Well, and my board game club is playing more complex games too, so that's going to help. It's it's this all is awesome. coming together now. All right. Well, that is fantastic to hear. Hopefully, you all enjoyed the show. Thank you all for joining us. If you ever want to chat with us or reach out to us, you can do so. On Facebook.com slash the League of Nonsensical Gamers. You can shoot us an email, podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. Guild.nonsensicalgamers.com gets you to BGG Guild number 2077. Have a chat with us about some of the good stuff out there. You can ask for a tiny Meeple Shield micro badge. Uh, if you have ideas for what we should wear or talk about on a live show in December, that would be the place to do it. You can also check us out on Instagram, nonsensicalgamers, or me at Cinnamon Buns on Instagram. If you enjoy the content, much like Dan has shown that, uh, he is responsive to feedback. We are all responsive to feedback. So if you leave us an iTunes review or give us some comments there, uh, it helps us move up the ranks and helps us know what you like and do not like about the show so that we can make it best for you. Also, thank you to our sponsor, Tasty Minstrel Games. You can check them out at playtmg.com, and we have a whole bunch of TMG news and games that will be in the hopper, so stay tuned for what's happening with them. We thank you. We thank them for their support if you want to chat with us, you can do so on Twitter. That is the best place. If you want to chat with Tiff about all the games she's been playing with adults or what she should play with her kids, where do they do that, Tiff? I am at ineptgamer. And if you want to chat with Dan about his hairstyles or where to get googly eyes to put on his pop filter, Dan, where do they do that? At League Nonsense or at Scandalous underscore net. And you can find me at Cinnamon Buns, spelled phonetically. Thank you all for joining us for episode 57. We will see you next time. Everyone say goodbye. Bye. Toodles. Bye.